tonight on Arena. How Vivaldi used the Mamma Mia method for his opera Bazaget and Greek myth through the eyes of Athena, Helen, Penelope and other leading ladies. Five one double five one is the text. You can tweet the programme at RTE Arena. Vivaldi's opera Bajazet tells the high octane story of power struggles based on actual historical figures. Bajazet, a fourteenth century sultan, and Timur, his usurper and founder of the Timurid Empire. And the opera is what we might nowadays call a jukebox opera or a pasticcio. In other words, it's made up of the greatest hits of existing arias, by and large written by other composers and incorporated with their permission, not a hundred miles away, you would have to say, from a type of 18th century version of Mamma Mia. Bajazet was composed for the 1735 carnival season in Verona and is set in a tense, claustrophobic environment. Powerful men and strong women negotiate their relationships. Irish National Opera, in partnership with the Irish Baroque Orchestra, is about to premiere Vivaldi's Bajazet in Ireland with a tour of seven performances around the country before transferring to the Royal Opera House in London for a series of performances at the beginning of next month. With me in studio here in Dublin is Peter Whelan of the Irish Baroque Orchestra and joining us down the line is the director of the production, Adele Thomas. Before we get stuck into the to the music and what was being done there by Vivaldi, which sounds like a lot of fun, Adele, maybe tell us about the, the story that he wanted to tell. It's, it's a, it's, it really is a classic power struggle type of story that he's he's putting across to us here. Yeah, that's exactly right. And can I first of all just congratulate you on pronouncing Bajazet correctly? That's really fantastic. I think I've heard every different intonation of that word for, that you could possibly imagine over the last year and a half while we've been <laughs> developing it. Um, the um, uh, yeah, the story um, of the opera is, is really complicated. Like a lot of these Baroque operas, if you were going to break the plot down, it would be incredibly convoluted. But but really, it boils down to exactly what you just said, which is that it's a very nuanced um, examination of power. Um, of what happens to um, uh, society or community when the world that they knew has been completely turned upside down. And so everyone has to reevaluate who they are now, how they survive, whether that survival, uh, you know, it necessitates a kind of violent struggle or whether or not they choose a smarter, more psychological path to the other side. So, um, you know, it's exactly the sort of thing that you We'll see in something like Succession, for example, yeah. which I've weirdly found myself referencing a lot, you know, over the course of rehearsals. And are we in a, are we in a particular family situation here, or are we in two different families, maybe, or two different empires, or two different dynasties, if you like, at loggerheads with each yes. other? So as you as you very aptly said in the introduction, um, Bajazet, who's the eleventh in line to a dynasty of Ottoman sultans that goes back two hundred and twenty years before he um, became sultan. Um, so this is a man of immense privilege, of power, of authority, unquestioned, unshakable. You know, um, uh, God ordained or Allah ordained in his case, um, power has been overturned by. Um, Timur, who, um, whose origins were as a shepherd in what is now contemporary Uzbekistan. Um, and so uh, there's a kind of a, a new world order which comes into play. Timur has imprisoned Bajazet in Bajazet's own home and Timur has kind of cuckooed and taken over the palace. Um, and the uh, so so then what we have is a kind of uh, a vortex mm. of many different empires that are um, around at the time who are then also sucked into it. So you have the Byzantine Empire represented by Andronicus, who's a 
um, Greek prince and who represents, I guess, in his own mind, a certain kind of civilizing force. Um, and you also have Irini, who is a woman and the heir to an empire of her own, which is unusual and strange. And between those four kind of dynasties, um, the power struggle is kind of relentless mm. and exciting and thrilling. But um, as it is often in the case, it's not necessarily the people we think will be the the heroes that turn out to be the heroes in the end. Yeah, and, and I suppose Vivaldi um, knew a story, Peter, when he, when he heard one and has, Adele has just given it to us there. There's great intrigue in between those four different factions, if you like. But the way in which he went about literally magpieing his way around the music available to him at the time and saying, yeah, I'll use a bit of that and I'll use a bit of that and I'll use a bit of that. It is a very interesting mode of composition. Absolutely. Well, he's he's basically found a great libretto by Piovani and that's a, a libretto that was used by several different composers, including Handel and his, his Tamburlano. There's another opera by um, Gasparini with the same kind of subject matter. Uh, and for this one, for, for Vivaldi's take on it, he, he goes down the route of pasticcio, which is a hugely popular kind of um, genre in, in, in the 18th century. And, and like you said, it's kind of a pasting together. It's like a playlist of the best possible areas he could find at the time from himself and from his friends to tell the story in the best possible light. And nowadays that might be frowned on a little bit as maybe being impure somehow, but actually he curated the whole thing really carefully. He pasted it together with his own recitatives and he made sure that the, you know, um, the best music mm. um, illustrated the, the best story. Interestingly enough, um, it seems that all of the, the, the good guys... Um, have arias by Vivaldi and all of the maybe not so good guys are all the Neapolitan composers from the other side his competition from the other side of Italy oh, That's very interesting so he gives the nasty music to other composers and to the characters that you don't like I presume A little bit there are exceptions but that's the kind of the general tendency so there's kind of an in-joke there as well I guess Absolutely and I suppose the other side of that is if very politely you said he curates the music yes he steals the music and uses it well <laughs> borrows the music with permission with permission for his own this was about making money. Yeah, well, that's the thing about Vivaldi uh, and the, the famous quote uh, from, from Stravinsky, for instance, that, that Vivaldi wrote the same concerto 500 times. Like, uh, to, 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 like, until quite recently, it looked like Vivaldi was kind of, um, you know, a businessman. If you came to, to Venice on your grand tour, you said, I play the violin. He said, you know what, I'll have a concerto for you ready in a few days. Like, there's, there's things that turned up in Scotland, flute concertos just in the last few years from exactly that reason somebody travelled over there. So there was an element of wheeler-dealer businessman to him but that shouldn't um, take away from his uh, like he's, he's also a true artist you know like mm. these these pieces um, speak through the ages he, he gives us amazing especially in Bajazette these amazing canvases mm. huge epic arias and you can paint them so many different ways it's a real it's a real treat and yeah the idea that he's stealing from other people um, w- 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 but he was actually quite careful of his own music so he gives some of his music to other composers yeah, too so very yeah. exchange there was a little bit of barter going on exactly uh, and yeah. there we were Adele thinking that Mamma Mia were the first to ever do this exactly nothing there's nothing new under the sun is there really <laughs> well there is something new and it's hearing Cecilia Bartoli sing by Gisette because ah, the, yeah. the way she sings this this particular aria from Act 2 of the opera I, I, I do, maybe I, I'll ask you I hadn't warned you Adele so maybe Peter would be able to pick up on it if, if I'm putting you on the spot mm. the Act 2 aria Anke el mar parque samerga uh-huh. can you give me the context for, for what's happening here and who's singing um, yeah, so in this production, it's the character Adaspe. And Adaspe is really fascinating because um, in this production, it's 
it's played by a she. Um, uh, I think originally the role was for um, a countertenor um, or a castrati, probably, which thankfully there aren't any about at the moment because we're a bit more humane in that respect. Um, and Anke Mar is a really interesting aria because it marks a turning point in the opera where everything seems to have gone about as badly as it could possibly go. So you'll hear in the first section, there's a kind of, um, almost like a kind of panic attack energy or, or a, a fizzing mm. kind of nervousness in the music. Um, but the B section is, and it, it might depend on which version you're going to play, because some of them play it in a minor key and some don't. But uh, but the B section, which is the middle section, kind of usually um, gives a kind of a weird, sublime moment of hope right. and a cracking open, open of the possibility that maybe things will get better, which is interesting. Well, we'll certainly get the panic attack feel that you mentioned in the opening <laughs> section of this. And it's Cecilia Bartoli who's singing in this particular recording. So we did let it run a little bit into the, the middle section, as you described it there. Uh, there we to go. Us. Yeah, Adele. It's a good job that middle section is there, because otherwise <laughs> the singer would not have a chance to breathe. Absolutely. I think you've got to have some time to chill out a little bit before you go back in and dive in for the second course of extreme coloratura at the yeah, end. Yeah, it, cer- it certainly is. It puts a lot of demands on the, on the singer. Who will be singing that part in, in the production, This Peter? is going to be um, Aoife Miss Kelly. And, uh, yeah, uh, there are so many demands on the singer. It's, it's, it's all superhuman, high-wire, circus act stuff. And it's in- incredible to think that anybody could, could sing that. I think unless Vivaldi or other people similar to him had written this down, you would say it's impossible to do. Mm. But you can just imagine, imagine him in his uh, room noodling on his violin uh, and saying oh well I could play this because he uses the voice in a very similar way to he would instruments even you know the same range as the violin down to low G's flying up to the top of the instrument but uh, I, I was also really interested to think that you know with this amazing breathless music Vivaldi is also uh, maybe the famous, most famous asthma sufferer uh, of all the composers. So maybe he's like, he's, he could hardly breathe. He couldn't say mass because of that. And that's why he was composing a lot of the time. So maybe this is his punishment on society, like these breathless, huge phrases, <laughs> things he could never dream of doing himself. Yeah, but but is, is part of the, because most people, I think, in contemporary circles, contemporary music circles now would think, yeah, you save a valley, you'll, you'll hear the Stravinsky quote and you'll think of the concerto, you'll mm-hmm. think of the Four Seasons, you'll think of violin music for the most part. Um, but in his day, you were saying to me before we came to her that in fact it was opera. Yes, he was He was best known in his day as an opera composer and it's really interesting, we were talking about earlier on, his, he was quite protective of his own material when it came to the opera world and that means that all of his material is collected together in one place in Turin, which is so unusual for a composer. So we have access to everything. And of course, the first thing to come our way um, uh, was the the Four Seasons. That became hugely popular, of course, with Nigel Kennedy and all the rest. Mm. But it took a while to discover all of these operas, you know, just sitting there. And over the past, I guess, 20 years, their, their, their value's been truly known. And also, you know, we've discovered more about him and the world of opera um, at, at the time and, you know, how that was, how he's 
best known. I, and you had, we were speaking about uh, the INO's production of Griselda, which was, uh, how long ago was that now? Is it last year? I, it might have been, a, yeah, it's hard to know with the old COVID fog. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah it was quite recently. And, and that was, I think, maybe the first um, performance of, of Vivaldi Opera in Ireland at the time. So and it's this quite is recent. the first performance of this opera here oh, in yeah, Ireland definitely, yeah. uh, as well. Given its uh, story, Adele, and, and as you, you make mm. the comparison to Succession, and we, we, we do get this sense mm. of four great dynasties at loggerheads or four mm. political powers, if you like, at loggerheads. I mean, we are in a part of the world where this type of power struggle is still going on uh, mm. in the Middle East. What kind of contemporary parallels do you draw or how do you go about bringing that side of things into the production, if at all? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, to, to some degree, you have to be really careful about um you know, locating anything in an area where you're not from now as an artist, because you, the, the, you know, the accusation and, and rightly so, you know, the kind of nervousness around accidentally culturally appropriating or stepping onto a culture which isn't yours is is a real concern at the moment. So the and that coupled with the fact that, and I mean this in an absolutely positive way, that but that it's a very small scale production meant that there were limitations that mm. were imposed on the production through through not just artistic means but just from you know financial or, or scale or whatever um which meant that actually the focus has to be on the interpersonal relationships between the characters and that is what takes it away from any particular setting and just makes it really really human and incredibly incredibly dynamic um because it's so funny isn't it when we think about these operas and if you're going to do the A-level version, you could talk about all sorts of ideas of nationhood and um, and and empire. But actually, when it comes down to it, what makes this opera so beautiful and so compelling is that it is the individual characters and how finely drawn they are and how, it, you know, in this production, I, I have to commend the, the singers that we have because they are unbelievably extraordinary actors you know we had to fight really hard all the way through casting this to make sure that they had the acting chops to pull this off and i think it's that level of fineness of attention to detail that will that kind of makes it transcend all those those stock ideas that we feel like we inherit mm. do you know what i mean yes. and actually to kind of to just think about it in a much more human um and and detailed way so you know the idea of how do we survive a world that has been turned on its head and of course you know, it was uh, this production was supposed to be on stage um, a year ago, and uh, it was moved because of the pandemic. And before that, you know, the whole process of designing it was actually done on Zoom, and uh, and so I can't help but think that maybe it's it's without there being a single reference to COVID, I can promise there won't be a single LFT lateral flow test. <laughs> no one is wearing a mask, you know. But um, but it, but I'm sure that the fact that we have all lived in a time where suddenly the world we knew has been completely upended, yeah. that has fed that has I, completely fed into the production. And uh, Peter, you were saying here, and audits to INO on this particular achievement. Yes, it was the first, uh, Griselda was the first Vivaldi opera performed in Ireland. This is the first performance of this opera, Bazaget, but it's also the first time that Vivaldi has been performed at the Royal Opera House, a Vivaldi opera, I believe, and also yeah. the first time that an Irish, a, a, a production originating in Ireland is going to the Royal Opera House, Peter. I think that's true. Yeah, so it's it's just a you know a big moment for us all, and it's just so interesting to see how this has developed. And you know, kudos to Fergus Shield and and the team at INO who have really pushed this forward. And and through these difficult times, you know, it's, it operas such a huge animal and a, and a difficult beast to move around, and they've been tireless about that. So it's just um, 
yeah, uh, so grateful for that. Right. Well, listen, congratulations to both of you and hope that the uh, production goes really well. Vivaldi's Bajazette. Uh, Bajazette opens in Navin this Sunday. In fact, we'll tour around the country, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Maynooth and Dunleary between Sunday the 16th, Sunday the 30th of January. Six performances then at the Royal Opera House, Linbury Theatre from Friday the 4th of February through until the 12th and obviously irishnationalopera.ie to find out all about that and all of the restrictions etc. that will be in place. We'll finish up with the Sinfonia. Um, does he demand as much off the musicians as he does? By the way, you should have said that that was an actual Vivaldi composition, the Yari that we heard, Peter. Does he demand as much off the musicians as he does off the singers? Because this Sinfonia sounds to me relatively relaxed in comparison yes, to the Yari I mean, we heard. It is. This, this, this symphony just sets the, um, the the scene. For me, it's like a prehistoric kind of caveman uh, version of music. Just we're about to get something really brutal served up to us. So he, that's what he's going for here. But of course, you know, he was he was ruthless with instruments as well, um, violin especially, but even my old instrument, the bassoon, he wrote 39 uh, concertos for bassoons are all absolutely horrifically difficult. So I'm spared of those the last few years, all right, thankfully. Okay. And, and, and that's uh, boom, 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 seems, seems that that motif is there throughout the, the opera because it's here in this Sinfonia. Exactly, that, that occurs again and again and again, that repetitive, uh, obsessive theme. All right, well, let's uh, finish up with that. Thanks to Peter and indeed to Adele for being with us this evening. And some of the instrumental music there from Vivaldi's opera Bajazette and as we heard that uh, Irish National Opera production starting in uh, Navin this Sunday and then moving around the country before it's transferred to London and the Royal Opera House. IrishNationalOpera.ie for full details.